What's up and welcome to Nostalgia Pod, giving you the best of 2021. This is Pat Sheehan, joined by my co-host Dave Marnaswagger. Dave, year in music 2021. Can you believe it's already the end of the year? No, it really, it's like 2020 part two. Uh, I, obviously, that's a common refrain from a lot of people about all kinds of things, given the times we're living in. But I do feel that on the music sense, a lot of 2020 things just kind of crept into and stayed hot in 2021, such as The Weeknd and Dua Lipa and Harry Styles, a lot of things to seem to carry over. And I, I, I feel like it took a while for us to, to delineate 2021. And then all of a sudden, it's, it, we're here. It's, it's done already. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's insane. Uh, you know, when you when you do as many albums as we do, when you re- review as many albums as we do, it all can kind of start to blur together. Especially when you're reviewing, you know, like like newer bands, like for example, like Squid and uh, Black Country, New Road, or Black Midi bands that I really like and I'm definitely growing on, but they're, they're new to me, and the sound can kind of blur together. So I was like, when did when did that drop? So I was like going back and looking, and I was like man, these albums dropped in 2021. I thought those were definitely like late last year. And then all their albums that dropped more recently felt like they were longer ago. Time is so weird in COVID. And uh, I hope next year we start to get a little bit of a different sense with that. But before we get too far into it, I think it's important that we plug our Nostalgia Best of 2021 playlist on Spotify, because we're going to be talking about a lot of music today. And you can find all of our favorite tracks from all of our favorite projects and a lot of the songs we're going to mention later right there. So follow it there. Also at Nostalgia Pod on Twitter, SoundCloud.com slash Nostalgia Pod and YouTube.com slash Nostalgia Pod. So 2021 in Music Dave, good year, bad year, somewhere in between. How are you feeling about it? You know, I don't think it was quite as strong a music year as 2020. Not a bad year. I feel like I listen to too much music. I like too many artists for it to ever really be a bad year. But making a list and mentally feeling like I just made last year's list, it doesn't quite compare, I guess. But I think there are some things that stood out about 2021. And the chief thing that really came to a head this year, I would say, is how artists are being credited uh, for the songs they write. Because everyone in the music industry is now afraid of getting sued to the point where any slight interpolation, any the smallest inspiration is now credited as a songwriter for a song. And obviously this is following the Robin Thicke blurred lines, Marvin Gaye, lawsuit and the fallout from that and now all the labels are just being very uh cautious about these things i mean (laughs) olivia rodrigo new to the scene this year she'll be coming up a lot soon she kind of got her lunch eaten by taylor swift when the only reason this came to be is because olivia kind of mentioned that she liked cruel summer the taylor song and next thing you know taylor's credited on the sour song in question, you know, obviously sometimes it makes plenty of sense, right? Good for you. You know what? Haley Williams and Paramore, they probably could use the the songwriting credit, the inspiration, <laughs> the formula is obvious. And that mashup between misery business and good for you. Maybe that is in fact the song of the year because that shit slaps. <laughs> but I just worry that where we're at now, artists 
might feel a need to be like extra safe and not be afraid of their inspirations where in reality music is something that continues to grow and evolve and ideate on what's come before and we shouldn't be afraid of that you know so that was the the biggest like new 2021 music development to me obviously like tiktok dominating what gets consumed that's not new you know that that started pre-pandemic and blew up during the pandemic so i think the songwriting stuff's definitely something to watch yeah and to your point about the songwriting credits actually something that i thought the grammys did pretty well recently was they basically took off people that were given songwriting credits from potentially winning the grammy award if uh like olivia rodrigo and taylor swift for example taylor swift would not be a winner of a grammy if olivia rodrigo's song is chosen it just makes sense which i was like huh grammy's doing something that makes sense very interesting (laughs) but I i think that that's a good observation you know i think as i was going through the list and just kind of reviewing all the music that uh we've we've talked about that we've liked all the uh going through the the playlist today in the last couple days leading up to this i was just like struck by how global music is is becoming i know that that's something that we we talk about quite a bit and that's not a new trend necessarily but it really feels like the influence from k-pop and from asia in terms of music is really becoming such so much more mainstream i mean obviously bts at the grammys what a moment uh they were fantastic um we're we're gonna i think be talking about some rappers from the uk um i think there's gonna be a lot of afro beat and and African influence in some in some of the albums and songs we talk about today. And so just the continued uh, globalization of the music industry here in America just really stood out to me with all this. Um, I also think there's a good variety of music on my list, which I was pleased to see. Um, you know, I agree. It's probably not as strong of a year. I always harken back to 2019 when we had like Igor and FKA Twigs and Lana Del Rey and like you could have had like a, a different top, like top five in any order, but those albums were just undeniable. And I don't feel like these albums are quite to that level. Oh, and Billie Eilish debut album that year yep. too. Oh it was, yeah. It was an unbelievable year. Um, but I do think that there's uh, still some, some really strong projects here. And why don't we kick it off? And actually I want to go first, cause this is a, a tradition of mine now where I cheat a little bit. Uh, my number 10, I split it. And uh, I'm going to let like, you take the lead on one part. So I had Dave. We're alone in this together. Split with, drum roll please, my guy, Hetty One. Too loyal for my own good. And why I chose to have them both tied for 10. Uh, I originally had Dave here. I just kept thinking like, was that really my favorite release from a UK rapper this year? And I was like, I think it was, but I think Hetty One might have had higher moments for me, moments I liked more on his album, mm. Too Loyal for My Own Good. And so I had to split them. I know that you have Dave a little bit higher up. Maybe we can save the conversation on Dave for a little bit. Okay. But I just want to talk about Hetty One real quick. So Hetty One, obviously, I think blew up uh, a couple of years back. And as a grime rapper, has had a lot of respect. But what really stood out to me about Too Loyal, too loyal for my own good was that he expanded his sound and did it so seamlessly and just had some of the best bangers out of 
UK rap this year that I just really wanted to highlight. Beggars can't be choosers. Oh, if yeah. I didn't have him on this list, I would have had that song on my songs list for sure. Shit goes. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Two Chains, the mm. follow-up track on that album to that. Uh, Nothing to me. Just like the whole album, I, I was clicking through just listening and man, it's it's a really pleasurable listen. Such a variety of sound. It's cool to see Hedy One, I think, as a, as a rapper expanding and really coming into his own. So wanted to give Too Loyal for My Own Good a shout out here. Any thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, Hedy One, that was the best drill album of the year. Yeah, you know, or mixtape, however, however it was categorized. Yeah, and he's he's really great to invest in because, as you said, he's been at it a long time. He's got a lot of projects under the belt already. Did a lot of interesting interesting things in 2020 as well. The the, the Sampha joint uh, comes to mind, but even when he sticks to the basics, like on Two Chains, that is some gloomy ash drill, man. Like you can't yep. touch that shit. But uh, man, the the energy that he brings while still not sacrificing his his gloominess, his unique delivery. He's just a really exciting talent, you know, and I'm happy he's become such a big star in the UK. He's really blown up fast. Yeah, he, he's awesome. So that was my number, my number 10 split. Dave, give me your number 10. Yeah, so we'll save Dave for later. My number 10 is Baby Keem, Kendrick Lamar's perhaps cousin. I don't know. We know that for a fact still. <laughs> the uh, signee. Louis Signe of PG Lang, Kendrick Lamar's upstart label slash production company slash thing. And we have Keem, you know, dropping the debut album, The Melodic Blue, after getting a lot of acclaim and some virality with the past mixtapes, including uh, the most recent one, Die For My Bitch, Orange Soda, became a hit. People were paying attention to Baby Keem. Seems like he had some industry support. And what was next was hotly anticipated, at least by people in the know. And what we got uh, this fall with the melodic blue by no means is a finished product. And that's why I don't have Keem any higher on my list. Cause I don't, I don't think the album's perfect, but what it does showcase is the range and diversified talents of Mr. Baby Keem. He just has a lot of on the mic ability, a ton of different flows, I mean, he just he can make weird noises like he just he does all kinds of stuff right and sometimes you get moments of true brilliance from him uh i, I like to th- like the solo tracks of his uh which which are obviously aren't quite as famous as the two collabs with kendrick but some of the solo tracks like trademark usa or vent are just these really crazy bangers where he's rapping and like the rhymes are the rhymes are tight, but the flows like kind of loose, and you can tell he's really carefree, but it's still at at a high level. And you know, you have has some slower stuff on here, which I'm not quite as into, like issues, for example. But along the way, you get the reintroduction of Kendrick Lamar, who's been away for such a long time up with Range morning, Brothers and, and yeah, Range Brothers and Family Ties. Family Ties, the verse for Kendrick. And Range Brothers, the the meme, uh, top of the morning. Let's get this shit. And Keem plays off Kendrick well, which is no small feat. So he's still a work in progress, but the work that's been done thus far 
is very exciting and fun. And I'm disappointed I didn't see him perform earlier this year. I missed that show. That would have been a lot of fun. So I'll definitely be catching the next one. Yeah, I think this is definitely a worthy choice for a top 10. Um, Keem is just oozing potential at this point. And obviously, I think getting the the Kendrick support and co-sign makes him a really exciting person to watch. I I don't think the album was perfect, like you said, but there's a lot to like there. Um, And so I'm just just excited for what's next. And uh, if anyone wants to get in on the ground floor, now's the time. Uh, Stock's only going to go up from here. So uh, to, to be fair, I feel like we're a few floors up at this point. Ground floors past that. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe we're on like like the six or seven floor then. But <laughs> um, moving on to my number nine. If you guys are looking on YouTube and you're like, who are these guys? Black Country New Road with for the first time coming in. I wasn't in number sure nine either. When I saw them, I was like, it's a big group. It's probably that. <laughs> yeah, you're like, ah, oh, is it Squid? Is is that Black Man? No, this is Black Country New Road, dropping their debut album for the first time. They actually just dropped um, three new tracks a couple weeks back, yeah. so I'm hoping that's leading up to something bigger. Uh, it is. There's an album coming out early 2022, like a year to the day almost from the last. Hell one. yeah! So uh, maybe it'll be for the second time. Who knows? February fourth. I gotta say, you know, in the age of tracks being very tight two minutes or shorter three minutes or shorter making it very tight the way black country new road weaves together post-rock post-punk sound you know mixing in like elements of jazz and horns just kind of letting it feel like they're always on the edge of like chaos you never really know where the music's going it just feels really exciting (laughs) and you match that with just like some bizarre lyrics uh you know the one i wrote down here is that i am more than adequate leave kanye out of it dave uh i I, who knows what they're trying to say there but i i perhaps uh, a dated line already (laughs) yeah but you know it's it's just amazing because in going back and listening to to this album i was like yeah i really i remember really liking sunglasses and then i was like oh yeah i really liked science fair Oh yeah, Athens, France was a banger too. And it was basically just like every track. I was like, this album rules. And that's the thing. is, If you want to talk about getting in on the ground floor, I guess, Keem, you're not getting in on the ground floor. But Black Country, New Road feels like a band that you're pretty much getting in maybe first or second floor at this point. And uh, they are just so exciting to see where uh, this movement in the UK is going to be taking rock music in the future. Um, it's just uh, it's 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 great to see because you know you sent me offline a uh, a meme or a, I guess like a, a commentary on Pitchfork's 31 best rock albums of the year and you said oh they actually made that many this year and it, it's it's a fair criticism because there weren't that many good rock releases this year I mean the the big ones the Foo Fighters the Killers Kings of Leon all came and went and have gotten very little acclaim at the end of the year not very memorable, no real hits from any of them. And it feels like where you forgot is... Coldplay. Oh, I, I didn't forget Coldplay. I left them <laughs> off. They're, they're, they're a pop band now intentionally. Um, the best thing Coldplay did this year was work with BTS. So shout out to them. <laughs> but, um, but it just feels like there might be some sort of revitalization or something exciting brewing there. And uh, if you're not tuned into it and you like rock music, you have to be. So Black Country, New Roads at the Forefront for the first time 
my not my number nine. Uh, any thoughts, or do you want to just jump in right into yours? Yeah, I'd just say the that post punk scene, uh, creating itself, oozing out of England with Black Midi, Squid, and Black Country New Road. Uh, there's there's something there worth paying attention to. That that much is clear. Absolutely, Dave. Give me your number nine. Yeah, so my number nine is also from the UK, Little Sims. Sometimes I might be introvert. My number two. Yeah. I feel like I don't even have a whole lot new to say about Sims. She's just really capable on the mic and makes awesome production choices. In this case, the album was produced entirely by Inflow, just like her last album, Gray Area. And it continues that vibe we had in early 2019 where the music itself is like quite cinematic but still has this like awesome message sims is quite introspective quite personal but also really matter of fact really in your face i think a song like woman a song like introvert really stand out to me also it's only introvert with the with the drums uh you know like the production really noticeable and yeah i mean she's just really talented and still doesn't get enough credit despite a lot of internet love and yeah she's great i mean why do you have her as your number two yeah you know i'm I'm a real sucker for like the i think the the grandeur and the, the cinematic feel of the album i think but just the way that she blends together so many different sounds and it all sounds so cohesive and she sounds so confident on this you know we really liked gray area and and that obviously was the i think a lot of people's first like oh lil sims this can be something and this feels just like such a level up and it feels like her ceiling has been raised for me because for this being her second album uh or second i guess like full length uh really her fourth i think fourth yeah um it just feels like like Little Sims could be something really, really memorable. And uh, I just love the, the variety on here. You know, you, you made, I think, a, a good point, you know, introvert with those drums. Um, Two Worlds Apart is so soulful and smooth and just like, it's like butter in a lot of ways. Then you get a song like Point and Kill, which is like a little like, afro infusion into this and um (laughs) rolling stone another standout to me that sounds cinematic but also a little funkier like it all works so well it all blends together so well um i just was super impressed by this and it's been one of the albums i found myself going back to the most this year so uh can't say enough about sims i'm really excited to see where her career takes her um a, a worthy choice for both lists um Anything you want to say with about that, or do you feel like we we covered it? She she's great, she's great, yeah, absolutely. Also, I really like the aesthetic uh, of her on this. Um, you know, I, I forgot to change the picture on my end, but she went with a lot of these like like stark contrasts and and like bright colors with her in the foreground. Just a really good look for her on that. Um, while we move on, though, I'm gonna jump into my number eight, which is an evening with silk sonic our guys anderson pock 
and Bruno Mars coming together to create Silk Sonic. This real soul R&B throwback. That 1970s. Yeah, just pure. It it really was just like a a purely fun and enjoyable listen. I mean, we haven't gotten a lot of Bruno Mars since 24 Karat Magic. So getting him back in our lives, obviously very exciting. But just the way that they blend together, um, their voices, their sounds, their inspiration for this. I think it probably had like, three or four of my favorite songs of the year on this album. And it's only like a real like eight, eight track album or nine track album. So it's not long and just a awesome listen. Um, well, what stood out to you? Well, I, it was on your list as well, right? Yeah, this is my number five. It's just amazing homage at the end of the day. And in a sense, Bruno and especially Anderson, perhaps punching a little below their weight, like they can make more detailed music they've done it before and they'll do it again uh, anderson in particular we know how much range he has vocally doesn't really get to do it too much on this album but that's kind of the point is they're trying to fit in a mold of uh, this throwback 70s soul and they just do it so well that you really can't be mad or disappointed in any way it's just really good and um i mean the singles obviously rapturously received there's really no bad song on this which is awesome because it's so short and sweet and leaves you wanting more but still kind of leaves you with a good amount of songs and i think my favorite of the new non-singles is after last night thundercat bootsy collins that shit's great one of the Mm -hmm. better uses of anderson's talents but uh, overall the whole package is just just a lot of fun and uh, hopefully we get bruno's next proper album in a short order absolutely uh i completely agree uh with everything you said after last night would have been on my top songs if it wasn't on if i didn't put them on my album list so definitely check out an evening with silk sonic uh dave what was next up for you number eight for me is dell 30 my number four yeah i mean what more is there to say <laughs> It's Adele. Yeah, Dave. Why, why is Adele good? <laughs> Honestly, though, when we finally got to hear 30, after Easy On Me comes out, first Adele song in, what, five plus years, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that's another Adele song. It's really great and became a huge hit for her. Then you get the album and you're like, okay, like, what, what do I really expect from this? And it kind of subverts your expectations because Adele doesn't do a lot of, you know, hello from the other sides, big booming uh, ballads the way she had done in the past with some of her biggest hits, but it's no less catchy, no less meaningful lyrically, but like, like it just, it, it's like a slight tweak of her sound. I was really impressed with it. Um, and you know, like I drink, I drink wine comes to mind lyrically, but I'm just a huge sucker for "Can I Get It," produced by Max Martin, just because that is a catchy ass pop track from Adele, and really I think shows just the taste of other lanes she could go down because of how talented she is vocally. You know, that's a song where it's not even challenging her that much vocally with the production. 
is so catchy and you have those background vocals spursed in on those choruses and stuff it's just the total home run but the whole album really is uh you know i, I don't really know how you can poke any holes in it yeah i i agree that that i think you summarized well why it's my number four um i, I was just at first i was a little disappointed hearing it right because you you didn't have the you had uh, Easy on Me, which I think is very much in the old school Adele, just like total power ballad lane. But after that, you didn't really get another one of those, like you said. And it was like, ah, man, I really wanted to hear more of those. I wanted her voice just to totally overpower me. But this is the more I've sat with it, just so impressed with the way she crafted this album and told a story that was so well thought out, you know, of, of loss, of dealing with um a relationship ending of how she talks to her daughter about this how she copes with it um and but the album never really feeling too heavy and then moving into a more triumphant and peaceful area by the end of the album um you know a a song like uh my little love just totally gutting something that you know you said and you actually hear her talking about like the the pain she feels in talking to her child about you know where where the dad is um, in the situation or why they're not together. And then you get to something like I drink wine, which starts to kind of pick the album back up more. And by the end there, you know, there's still some, some sad notes, but it, it brings you back around. It feels like she finds some peace throughout the album. And just uh, like you said, hearing her build out her sound, trying some different lanes, but still making something that's this impressive is just why she's, why she's Adele. <laughs> like she's just like the, the biggest artist in the world for a reason. So uh Awesome album. Really enjoyed it. My number four, your number eight, I yep. believe. So why don't we jump then to my number seven, which is Japanese Breakfast Jubilee. An album that I was not really, uh, wasn't really anticipating too much. Japanese Breakfast third album. Their first two, or her first two, uh, Michelle Zahner's first two, I should say, was a bit more like sullen uh you know exploring like grief and loss and well it, it just i had never really clicked with her music and now you know she took a few years off comes back with jubilee and i was just totally blown away by uh, you know for lack of a better term like the vibes of this album and it, this was intentional from michelle zahner in an interview talking about how she wanted to explore the feelings of, of joy and like uh, intense joy and trying to uh, exp- take her music to a different place. And that really comes across throughout this album. I, I think this is probably my second favorite like indie rock album of the year. We're going to get to my first later on, but man, songs like be sweet or slide tackle um, sit savage good boy like all of these were just like so textured so layered you really felt like you were just in like this technical world listening to it and her lyricism on it is so catchy but still like really straightforward and striking a lot of the time and um just was one of the best surprises of the year for me um again going back to like the i didn't want to overlap the two lists too much but uh slide tackle was probably my favorite track off it and definitely uh, would have made my top 10 list. So um, my number seven, I don't think it made your list, right? Nope. It did not, but it, w- it was good. I liked it. 
why don't we jump to your number seven then? Yeah, my number seven is Churches, Screen Violence. They're, nice. Their fourth album? Fourth album. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, their first uh, album in a few years, but really felt like a, uh, yeah, fourth album. It really felt like a like return to form, a return to what makes Churches Churches. And I think in the process is actually their best album to date in terms of just really great synth pop. Lauren Mayberry, really expressive vocalist, no matter what she's doing. But, you know, the rest of the band, Ian Cook, Martin Darity, they arranged basically this whole album themselves. So just like a really insular album, course correction after them, you know, making the Marshmallow song. And yeah, I, I just... I just think there's a lot of fucking great songs on this. Like he said, she said, final girl. I think thematically uh, Lauren always seems to get into, you know, what it's like to be a female pop artist, what it's like to be a woman online, some familiar themes, but I think they, they get into it in like really meaningful ways. They don't come across as preachy or anything. And it's still really fun synth pop at the end of the day. So yeah, shout out churches really, really coming back with this one. Yeah, great comeback. I love how they basically made this concept album and just like found their stride with it. Uh, really, really cool story. Uh, it was one of my honorable mentions, actually my, my number one honorable mention. So I'm glad that you had it on your list. Um, okay, moving forward. I don't know if, if I saw that if you had this one or not, but Brock Hampton's Roadrunner New Light was my number six. Yeah, it's my number four. Look at that. Close. We're, we're almost in simpatico there um we did not plan this either no we did not you know uh we, we we've talked a lot about brockhampton this year not only reviewing roadrunner new light but also doing our uh rankings of brockhampton so go back and check that out um youtube.com slash nostalgia pod roadrunner new light new machine yeah uh in in re-listening and just kind of thinking about it a little bit more, and I think this is an observation we made at the time, just feels like them finding a way to bring some of the weirdness of saturation with some of the more like conventional pop sound of, of what was it, San, what is it, San Andreas or whatever the uh, was Ginger, you're thinking San Marcos, the yeah, song. San Marcos, the song, yeah, the, the, the song off it that I liked, the one song off it I liked, but <sighs> I think it's just like, I didn't know what to expect. You know, obviously Brockhampton also is saying that they have one more album left after this one. This is like mm-hmm. the last. And it's like, what are we really going to get out of them at this point? It's been a bit up and down more recently. Not, not quite to the level of the three saturations and the weirdness this gets starting right off the rip with Danny Brown going right in, uh, on buzz cut, going to chain on with JPEG mafia we yeah. get like a uh, rock sounding ballad with the light in the middle. We get don't shoot up the party, like a G funk song. Like it just, it, it was all over the place in the best way. And it just felt like, okay, Brock Hampton's recaptured some of that magic. So just a, a true pleasure to listen to an album of ran back a few times. So uh, definitely deserving of any top 10. Why'd you have it at number four? Yeah. So I think you kind of touched on it there. They got back to the energy and the raps of the saturation trilogy while not leaving behind the, the moodiness, the sadness that has followed them more recently with iridescence and ginger. 
they are just different guys than they were in 2017. That much is obvious. But I think creatively, Roadrunner is a return to form because it's a return to ultimately what their most successful music is. And as a fan, longtime fan now, that's just really great. You know, you mentioned Don't Shoot Up the Party, a G-Funk track, Ramil spazzing on that one. But in the process, you know, you got Kevin rapping again. And he rapping about some substance. It's great to hear that because I think that is that remains his strength is when he's rapping. But lyrically, you know, I mean, Joba talking about the death of his father on the light, you know, that, that, that shit really, really, really hits you. You know, like they, they don't pull any punches on this album, but, you know, you, you still have a lot of fun tracks with like, you know, Count on Me. And as you mentioned, Buzzcow Brown and Chebeck Mafia is great on Chain On. Awesome to hear Ace Rocky on this. Yep. Uh, I, I, I was really pleased with this when it came out back in April because it's like, it just felt like something clicked again with them. They're a little aimless, you know, as they found fame and fortune and everything happened with Amir. And this just this felt like a, you know, a place back in the right direction, even if obviously they've evolved and changed along the way. They're not leaving that behind, but it's, kind of like the culmination of everything to this point out it's it's i think it's really special and obviously as you said don't really know what to expect from that second album or the kevin soul album that seems to be in progress as well but uh eagerly anticipating both hell yeah um dave your number six my number six which i'm pretty sure is on your list would be snail mail's valentine her lindsey jordan's second album Absolutely. Great choice, Dave. Why is it your number six? So anyone who listens to the pod regularly, especially when we talk about rock music, knows that indie rock is not usually my bag. So if an indie rock album is making my top 10 albums of a given year, it must be pretty good. good. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I think she's a just kind of a badass you know she really rocks out on some songs like, like ben franklin like early on those first few tracks on valentine really go you know uh, i think she's she's emotional but she still goes hard it's it's great yeah yeah i was just totally blown away i mean we've we knew snail, snail mail ruled uh tracks like pristine heat wave you know from her first uh album lush really gave the sense that she was Jordan was something special, but the completeness of Valentine and the completeness of, uh, in a sense of her, not only making good songs, but songs that kept your attention and didn't feel samey throughout. And that explored her song crafting ability. Just uh, amazing to hear, you know, you mentioned the first, the, the early on the Valentine Ben Franklin one, two punch the beginning, I think is the obvious highlight, but even songs like forever sailing. I, I, I love the, like the percussion in that. Um, and her lyricism is amazing. That followed up by Madonna, which is another track I really liked. I, I think this is a, a no skips for the most uh, pretty much. And I, I guess I didn't really love uh, see at all. Maybe that's the one I would skip if I had to, but the rest of it is just, fantastic and i'm just really excited to see uh everything that that's to come it also feels like she might have leveled up to like that phoebe bridger territory which is like 
kind of not what I expected. I thought maybe soccer mommy would have gotten up to that level for us, but no, it feels like Lindsay Jordan might be coming for the throne. So uh, really good shit from, from her snail mail Valentine, my number three, your number six. And Dave, that, that brings us to another female who was excellent this year. Olivia Rodrigo with sour my number five this year. I think, I think when I, I look at this or when, when I listened back to this, I liked the whole album more than I did initially. Still not a perfect album, but the highs of this album are just like unbelievably high. I mean, you could take driver's license, deja vu, or good for you and put them in, uh, you know, in your top 10 anywhere. Uh, and no one would be able to argue with you. Those songs dominated the year. Livia Rodrigo is the fastest rising star in music. She's going to dominate the Grammys in yep. you know a few months. And Sour is going to be the album that put her on the map. And it's just like super exciting that, you know, so like I, I was comparing her to Lil Nas X a little bit, right? Because Lil Nas, Nas X's album, I think, was very similar in that it had more songs that like were high, but more songs that had lower lows. And I think Olivia Rodrigo's album had a higher floor and just as equally a high ceiling. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see where she goes next because she just feels like like she's like in line to be the next Taylor Swift, basically, like in that lane. It's pretty amazing. So sour, my yeah. number five. Yeah, it's kind of wild to see someone just roll right up alongside Billie Eilish as the star of today <laughs> and the next 15 years, too. You know, it just came out of completely nowhere. And no, I will not listen to anyone who's like, oh, no, she, you know, she's on the High School Musical Disney show. No, no, that, that doesn't mean shit, you know? <laughs> she was on a Disney show, so what? No one's watching that. I mean, I, I, it might be decently popular, but, like, she just became a complete megastar in, like, four months span. Mm-hmm. Went from driver's license to when Sour comes out. It, it, it's just crazy. The album, I didn't put the album on my list. I do have one of her songs coming up on the songs list, so stay tuned oh, yeah. for that. YouTube.com plus Nostalgia Pod. And I mean, she, yeah, she's the story of the year without question. And I mean, like she became a megastar before she had like even like performed any music, you know, it's crazy. Uh, but I also, a- it's, it's quite earned, you know, that album. Uh, I don't think it's a perfect album, but the breakup songs, the emotional ballads mixed with some obvious 2000s inspired pop punk to air songs it's a good mix and she definitely is in that taylor mold from a songwriting perspective yep so it's hard not to be super invested in what's to come yeah we're, we're definitely rodrigo's for sure shout out yeah. kai um, yeah uh, livy's is a weak fandom name rodrigo's yeah. is way better way better um yeah songs like trader and happier aren't aren't as showy as the the top three mm-hmm. off the album, but definitely I think strong ones. She did a tiny desk concert that came out the other yes, day. Yes, recently. Yes, you watched that. I had to watch some of it. Yeah, I was just blown away by the fact that I mean, she's like she's what like twenty maybe. Like, she's eighteen. Eighteen, yeah. <laughs> insane. And she could or the very fuck's much my just, teenage dream. <laughs> she could very much just 
play these songs exactly the way that they sound on the album and not like push the the artistry of it and she totally stripped down those songs and changed the way that some of them sound and added new meaning to them and i was just like she's doing this at 18 like (laughs) it's just something that you don't see all the time so you're right the story of the year pushing billy eilish to be that that next like generational talent just super exciting so sour my number five dave what was next up for you Next up for me is my number three, which would be Doja Cat's third album, Planet Her. Uh, You know, not dissimilar from Olivia, just taken longer, but Doja Cat is a full-fledged pop force. And it was a little bit unexpected, given her humble beginnings, bitch, I'm a cow moo, let's not forget. But you know, we, we, we realize she's a competent rapper the past two albums. That much is clear. She's had some hits already. But what Planet Her is is like complete distillation of, yeah, she's still a really good rapper, but she's also a pop singer. Yeah. And I think the arrangements uh, on the album are really impressive, but just they really fit how Doja, uh, you know, can glide on those songs. Whether it's something, you know, more slower, like, like Need to Know, uh, or obviously Kiss Me More, which is just a banger pop song. Uh, or, you know, you have more, you know, upbeat songs like uh, Get Into It, Yeah, I Don't Do Drugs at Ari. Like, I think there's just, just enough, like, like, range on the album to suit Doja Cat's clearly multi-layered talent. Um, and she's she really just continues to impress me because, you know, she's a bit of a, messy character online bit controversial at times but the music is there like the music is just consistently there and you know i want to shout out um been like this which is you know was not a single not the showiest song but like the production on that the way she glides on like a slower silkier song like that she's just really great yeah no she's she's absolutely uh blown me away you know i i think i thought she was going to be the type of artist who puts out an album and there's like one or two songs that just like completely pop and the rest of it is totally forgotten but planet her was so much more than i expected out of an album from her and uh just you know to see her rise in the star like this is super cool um yeah i I really liked her a lot more after seeing her on uh the tv show dave this season uh she's in an episode and uh, where, where he's trying to like hook up with her uh, through like a dating app and it, she just comes across super endearing and like likable so mm-hmm. definitely messy online sometimes don't agree with all of her perspectives but uh, it she, she's awesome so uh, we should move forward to Dave uh, Dave's weren't al- alone in this together because we uh, we said we would come back to it. I didn't want to step on your number two album of the year that's right Tell me yeah, why. man. Uh, Santan Dave following up Psychodrama from 2019. No small feat. You know, NBD, Brit Award, Album of the Year, Mercury Prize, first British album to accomplish both those feats since the first Arctic Monkeys album. It's been a minute, but they've earned all that praise and now had to follow that up somehow. And he did. He, he really nailed it because we're all knowing this together. You still have the cultural observations of what it's like to be a black man in Britain 
today. You have overt political references, even on a song like Clash, which is the fun flexing rap banger with Stormzy. And yet he's, Dave still sneaks in Tory put in labor, this, that Jeremy Corbyn one. You know, everywhere you look with Dave, the lyrics are snuck in there. You know, uh, In the Fire, just a legendary UK posse cut with Getz, Giggs, Meeks, and Fredo alongside this church choir sample. <laughs> really simple, but just so fucking awesome. You know, uh, I love Verdansk, reference to yeah. Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, you know, and then of course, um, you know, he gets super lyrical about his family, you know, the immigrant experience that he's learned firsthand from his parents uh, towards the end of the album on songs like uh, Heart Attack and Survivor's Guilt. His brother's also uh, in jail for a long period of time. Like, th- there's so much uh, layered into all his lyrics, but he still has fun tracks, again, like Clash, that, you know, getting all that acclaim for the song Black back on Psychodrama was not a one-off. Dave is just really that high-minded and that lyrical and at the forefront of that when it comes to uh, UK artists. So it was just a total triumph of an album. Yeah, you. I think you summarized it well. I don't really have too much to add beyond uh, just his his lyricism, his thoughtfulness. You know, talking about topics of mental health and loneliness, like you mentioned, uh, what it's like to be a black man in the UK. His experiences uh, just totally blew me away, and I think I was probably most blown away with it. Like so many rap albums nowadays are so overly produced. And there's so many sounds. And this is an album that I think really stands out because of the choice to not make this super produced. There's a lot of like just sitting with like, you know, one beat or uh, even times when like the music drops out, you know, in that that song clash with Stormzy. When Stormzy comes in, it's just silent for like a few seconds that he just comes in. It's just it really works for the vibe of the album and to just be carried by his lyricism and rapping and vision is really impressive so a uh, great choice for number two i'd say yeah and there's one last thing on that like he has so much to say and has such a way of saying it that you don't mind that some of those songs are eight minutes long yeah because he like right. earns every second of that absolutely well dave uh that brings us to our shared number one i don't think this is a surprise for either one of us but call me if you get lost tyler the creator uh tyler tyler the creator's rapping again dude isn't that great? Fuck. I didn't put the picture in. Hold on. Sorry. You, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Gotta say it again. Call me if you get lost. Tyler, the creator. Uh, he's rapping again, dude. It's great, isn't it? Fuck yeah, dude. And Tyler somehow found a way to evolve right before our eyes once again. This dude releases music every other year since 2009 and yet he continues to impress and defy expectation call me if you get lost tyler rapping like he's never rapped before obviously a big turn from igor which was much later on the raps obviously and yet still won him some grammys and now he returns with a gangsta girls mixtape sponsored by dj drama as one gangsta girls mixtape would be and he still has 
some of his most personal lyrics to date, some of his most fun uh, features to date. It just a total, total revelation. And I mean, I remember when this came out and I just started listening as I was in the car in traffic. And I remember just bumping these songs, listening to Corso, listening to, uh, you know, the oh, early man. joints. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's yeah. back, man. It, it, it's it's incredible. Yeah. You know, I was trying to, like, summarize, like, why this album, I think, is so great. And I feel like every person I talk to, every uh like thing i read about it that was like what's your favorite track from the album everybody had a different track and i think that's the thing is that pretty much every single track on this is a great song like you mentioned like corso as an early highlight that goes right into lemonhead which is absolute fire and just like triumphant mm-hmm. shit going into what's your name which is just smooth tyler bullshit the whole time yeah. and it's Fucking young boy so of all fun. of all guests, yes, and be a young boy on this. And dude, that goes right into Lumberjack, which is probably like the most played song from this album because it was a single. Um, and that's not even getting into the second half of the album with songs like um Rise, which is probably my favorite one. That's a total like nerd tribute, it feels mm. like, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I really like Juggernaut. Um I, I mean it's just like super impressive and to not only like make an album that sounds this good, but to have, you know, a track like uh, sweet, I thought you would, I thought you wanted to dance, which is just like Tyler really going off and telling a story and like showing his rapping ability, but in more than just like a goofy way or like a bombastic way, but a true storytelling way, just really impressive. He does everything on this album. He produced the album. Sounds fantastic. He's in my mind, he's elevated to that top tier with along with people like Kendrick as like the real visionaries yeah. within the raps rap space. So yeah, just amazing. Yeah, I mean the, the, the Kanye lineage is strong with this, right? Getting yeah. all kinds of inspired guests on this, but they never once usurp Tyler on any of these joints, right? You got a young boy song. The young boy heads love what's your name. Yep, I'm a huge fan of Lemonhead getting 42 Doug coming in halfway through all distorted and stuff, right? Uh, I love that we got Pharrell Williams rapping on this. That is not a common thing. Yep. Um, you got an odd feature reunion on Manifesto with Damo Genesis, but the biggest part about Manifesto is Tyler's revelations about, uh, you know, his, his, his thoughts about, you know, his own pers- past, past controversy and really grappling with that in his music for the first time um alongside that you have songs like massa where he talks about struggles his mom was going through when he was first becoming uh famous you know uh he talks about his unique view of being a public facing black man in today's climate you know the only way he tyler could really speak to it i feel like uh new alter ego from tyler mr baudelaire i love it you know put it right alongside uh Igor and Flower Boy. Totally. He's just such a multifaceted artist. And yeah, we know the influences. We know the Kanye and Pharrell influences are strong, but I, at this point, he's long since established himself as his own his own man, his own singular artist. And it was awesome to see like a lot of his peers really hyping this up when it came out. Like Pusha T was like, that's the album of the year right yep. away. You know, like he 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 
he has the respect at this point. hundred uh, percent. Dave, give me a quick rundown, 10 to one of your lists. I'll do mine. And then we'll do some honorable mentions. Yeah. So number 10, baby Keaton, melodic blue, number nine, little Sims. Sometimes it might be introvert. Number eight, Adele 30, number seven, churches, screen violence. Number six, snail mail, uh, Valentine. Valentine. Uh, number five, Silk Sonic and Evening Silk Sonic. Number four, Brockhampton, Roadrunner, New Lightning Machine. Number three, Doja Cat, Planet Her. Number two, Dave, we're all alone this together. Number one, Todd the Creator, call me if you get lost. My number 10 was a split of Dave, we're, we're alone in this together, and Hetty one, too loyal for my own good. Number nine, Black Country, New Road for the first time. Number eight, Silk Sonic, an evening with Silk Sonic. Seven, Japanese Breakfast, Jubilee. Six, Brockhampton, Roadrunner, New Light, New Machine. Five, Olivia Rodrigo, Sour. Four, Adele, 30. Three, Snail Mail, Valentine. Two, Little, San- Little Sims, Sometimes I Might Be Introvert. And number one, Tyler, the Creator, Call Me If You Get Lost. Honorable mentions, Dave. Anything you want to shout out? Yeah, I got a few honorable mentions. Again, I... uh and you did basically the same as well. Tried not to repeat myself with songs and album lists. So there's some people coming up on the songs list that I also like the albums quite a bit. And I'd say one of those people would probably be uh, uh, Halsey. Really uh, impressing, working with Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and making, honestly, an honest-to-goodness rock album in, I think, a real genuine way, real effective way. Uh, also, shout-out uh, Polo G. I really liked uh, The Goat. And, you know, I, I didn't love the album, but I thought Vince Staples' self-titled album from this summer still was pretty admirable and still had a lot of those lyrical traits and ticks that we all like about Vince, even if production-wise, you know, it wasn't as uh, flashy as, say, FM or Big Fish Theory. Yeah, I also had uh, Vince Staples' uh, self, self-titled album um, on my honorable mention. Had Porter Robinson's Nurture on my honorable mention. I thought it just really captured the the feeling of the year and just like where we're Stay tuned at. for that. Ah, looking forward to it. Uh, the War on Drugs, I Don't Live Here Anymore. Uh, probably the best like pure rock album of the year, uh, yeah. for whatever that's worth. Slow Thigh, uh, Slow Thigh, I should say, Tyron um, yeah. was up there for me. And then... Um, Good year for the Brits, uh, man. For real. And then Tanache, uh Three three three, yes, yeah. also up there. But I think we'll Good be stuff. talking about her very soon. So that that's gonna do it. Do it for us for albums. Stay tuned for our top ten songs of the year list. And again, give us that follow. soundcloudcom slash pod or youtubecom slash pod You want to hit some disappointing albums real quick? Ah, yeah, actually, good call. Go for so it, Dave. I have four. Well, really three disappointing albums of 2021, and one, of course rises to the top and i'm sure you share this and that would be lord's third album mm. solar power which i'm on record on this podcast saying there's no way it's going to be bad <laughs> and maybe i jinxed it because solar power was a huge letdown i mean i like the song the path but other than that it just it just doesn't it does not hit the same that one really 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 bothers me yeah, that was definitely um, one that was disappointing for me. Um, I do have to say, I, I did like the song Solar Power. I thought, I thought it started off kind of strong. The Path also a good song, but then uh, <laughs> it, it just really get lost itself. Um, 
I think obviously Drake's album just you know yeah. whatever we expected of it it definitely was below those expectations right yeah I don't have a quite on these this tier just because I didn't have as high expectations for uh CLB but I agree definitely uh disappointment I also will throw little Nas X Montero on there whereas I think Montero had some great highs like industry baby and also call me uh by your name but overall I just felt Nas X seemed to waste a lot of time doing things he's not particularly adept at on Montero and he remains very much a work in progress and that album is a clear example of that um for me, John Mayer's Sabrock, <laughs> a huge disappointment um, just because it was bad. Like the album just was bad. So yeah. uh, it, it worked for like two seconds, two two tracks, and it just completely became mm. redundant. So yeah. that was a let, big letdown. Also, I mean, a lot of lists online would disagree with this one, but I got to say the Billie Eilish uh, sophomore album, Happier Than Ever, overall as a record did leave me uh, a bit wanting. Um, there's some moments I liked, perhaps I'll be talking about one of those in a second, but I think overall as an album, I just, I appreciate lyrically what she was getting at, you know, um, as her circumstances, as her celebrity has tremendously changed her worldview on things. How could it not? I totally sympathize with that, but I think musically, I just wasn't as interested in what her and Phineas were, you know, cooking up, especially on the production side of things. Like there's just by design less hits on this album yeah I, I agree it was also on my disappointment list and it just didn't reach the same highs maybe that's not a fair uh thing to uh, put it up against uh the first album obviously just uh my last one here um well actually i just want as, as a bit of a troll the, the zane album huge disappointment but uh just want just for all, all the zane haters so that they can you got a lot of dislikes on that already keep them coming uh but her uh back of my mind for an artist that has been tapped by the grammys as like the next like savior of like or i guess like next great r&b uh rock piano rock artist yeah uh that album was just the hot trash <laughs> not interesting and super boring yep. so uh Big disappointment there. Any others you want to shout out? Yeah, just lastly, uh, the two Lana albums, I won't call them like disappointments, but they just don't hold a candle to Norman fucking Rockwell, which I love so much. So yeah, it's a good one. Slightly disappointing. And um, Donda as well. Not that I had high expectations for it either, but I was disappointed in Kanye's lack of curation and his inability to trim a track list because that's something he used to care about so much. And that let me down. Well, that's going to do it for us for uh, best albums and, and most disappointing of 2021. Stay tuned for our best, our top 10 songs, best songs of the year. All right, Dave, we're, uh, we're back talking our best songs of 2021. Before we jump into the list, just wanted to ask, like, we just did our albums. What was your experience making the albums list versus making the song list this year? Yeah, I definitely had a harder time making the songs list, partially because I didn't want to repeat any songs from artists represented on the albums list. So I tried to, tried to diversify 20 different artists as a result and just felt like there weren't the same caliber of songs that immediately jumped out to me the way 
songs in 2020 did like you know levitating from dua for example just like a song the moment i heard it i was like oh, that is one of the best songs of the year and sure enough i had it at two or whatever you know on the list this year i didn't quite have that same experience so i had to do a lot more thinking of just making this list you know and then trying to make an interesting list too yeah i i, I had a similar time with my song list where nothing jumped out as like that is the best song of the year. Um, I definitely found myself gravitating a little bit more, especially in the top half of this list, towards songs that had a wide-reaching impact as well as high quality. Um, even if I don't think maybe these are like the like the top, you know, top of the top, I think these are the songs that not only were well received by the most people, but also are still really good songs. So. Um, looking forward to talking about that a little bit more as we, as we get to the top. Um, any other observations on the song list, or do you want to just jump right into your number 10? No, let's just, let's just jump in. Again, check out our Best of 2021 Spotify playlist, where there's a lot more songs we liked listed. But overall, um, wouldn't say it was a bad year, just maybe not as uh, immediately ear-catching this year you know obviously we have we have our nose we have our ears and so many things so many artists that it's hard to be displeased overall but um yeah let's get into it number 10 for me is casey musgraves breadwinner relatively recent song from her latest album star crossed and i think this is just a really fun uh country pop you know bop and while Starcross, despite you know the themes of divorce being very present, not an album that seemed to hold a candle as well to her album of the year winning uh, last album, you know. And I actually had a song off the last album, High Horse, you know, disco country song. Had that on my list two years ago. This year, I think the Casey album overall, not as a, you know, not as a celebrated not disliked either you know but just kind of more lukewarm reception this time but i think breadwinner is just a real winner because it has just a really catchy hook casey vocally is always pleasant always fun you know she has a really funny video for this song yeah i mean I, i've listened to this one quite a lot even though the rest of the album didn't really stick with me yeah golden hour still my favorite uh, Casey album from 2018, but Starcrossed, uh, I think, still what really well crafted. I think even more emotional and moving than some of the stuff on Golden Hour. Breadwinner's a nice choice off that for sure. Um, and I, I just have a huge crush on Casey. Crush on Casey Musgraves. Just want to mm -hmm. say, if not now that she's single, just want to put that out in the universe. Um, but why don't we move on to number ten for me, which is a song that is new but not really that new and that's taylor's version all too well the 10 minute version dave and here's why all too well was already a taylor swift masterpiece you know a, a, a track that even the most diehard swifties are who who go go for like like the niche songs are like all too well is is the, the crown jewel of the taylor discography and she was like I'm just going to blow this thing out. I wrote this 10 minute song back in the day and they didn't want me to put it out. So I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to put Jake Gyllenhaal on blast. And it's even better than the original. 
And it, <laughs> not only did it did she make one song that's really good, she made it three times as long, and it's still really, really good and captivating. And I just am like totally blown away. I listened to this so many times when uh, her her re- redoing of Red came out uh, last month. And uh, yeah, just a tough look for Jake Gyllenhaal. He dated her for like three months and the song is going to last forever. So unnecessary, man. (laughs) But uh, yeah, just amazing. Taylor Swift's an incredible songwriter. So loved this song. Loved it originally. Love it now. Shout out Taylor Swift. All too well, 10 minute version by number 10. What's your number nine, Dave? Number nine for me, Look at the Sky by Porter Robinson. Never thought I would have a Porter Robinson song represented here. Wasn't a big fan of his early work. Of course, that early work was some time ago. It had been about seven years since the last Porter Robinson album. And the Porter Robinson we got when he returned, beginning of 2021, a lot different artist doing his piano work, doing his own singing, making everything about the album. In the process, a much more fully realized artist than you expect from someone with, you know, house dj beginnings and that album nurture overall i liked quite a bit but i don't look at it, look at the sky production wise really great once the uh the beat kicks in after a few seconds really catchy really grabs you and the the vocals from porter himself i say they they, they give me vibes to 2009 with owl city's fireflies the way he does mm-hmm. his vocal inflections and stuff i think it's just a really catchy song and one of my uh, favorite, uh, you know, EDM tracks in quite some time. Shout out to Porter Robinson was on my honorable mention list, so good for him. Um, Dave, moving on to my number nine. This is a song that you turned me on to, actually. It was on our best of the year playlist, Nostalgia Best of 2021. Benny the Butcher, Flood the Block. Dude. The butcher coming. Dude. <laughs> you you told me to put this on the playlist and usually when when you do if i have time i'll go and i'll listen to the track if i ever heard it uh we didn't review this this project that it's on but his sample of speaker speaker pick i believe it's pronounced mm-hmm. uh the, the the piano's blaring on this the 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 beat comes in you get a bass guitar just like rising and falling. Um, and Benny just comes in so strong. This song makes me want to run through a brick wall, uh, immediately put it on my workout playlist. It just is so much fun, so much energy in, in a year where, you know, as we get through my, uh, my list, there's probably not like a ton of like upbeatness to the list in, uh, at a lot of points. This was mm-hmm. just a track that every time I put it on, I just felt juiced up, man. And uh, if you haven't listened to it, it's a true pleasure to listen to. So check it out. Flood the Block by Benny the Butcher. Yeah, this is off the uh, Pyrex Picasso EP from uh, the end of the summer. Overall, Griselda flooding the zone once again for like the fourth year in a row. Uh, And Benny, of course, was a huge part of that. And you'll see a lot of love for other Griselda work this year, like the Mac Homie album, Pray for Haiti. But Benny is just always good. Yeah, he just goes so hard. <laughs> uh, what was your number eight? Yeah, so my number eight was Miss for Mr. Drizzy Drake. Ooh. 7 a.m. on Bridal Path. Oh, it's not. I'm too sexy. I'm surprised. <laughs> Gotta just say real, real quick while we're here. 
Drake submitted himself for Grammy nominations this year, got a few of them, and then took them away and said he didn't want them anymore. Well, you you make the decisions about if you want to get nominated or not, my guy. What the fuck's going on here? And he submitted himself for way too sexy. So in the grand scheme of things, it's probably best that it wasn't recognized. Good decision. But a song that he should have nominated himself for for best rap song would be So Name on Bridal Path because, as the name suggests, uh, time in a Drake song means Aubrey's going to rap his ass off. And... <laughs> It's really without fail. There's, I think, five or six of these time tracks at this point. They come out every few years, not every project. Once in a while, you get one. Sometimes they're a Lucy. And they're just always fucking good. And CLB, a bloated, overall, overall disappointing record from Drizzy after so much anticipation. But he did sneak in 7 a.m. on Bridal Path, which is just him in his complete bag and reminding you that, yeah, Drake really is a lyrical technical rapper when he wants to be and it's i mean i think it's i think it's up there with a lot of his just you know three verse rapping ass songs so it's again a little unfortunate that the rest of clb didn't really uh stick around for me the way this one did yeah definitely uh probably his definitely his best track of the year i would say for sure uh for for the year where it was most disappointing that was definitely a standout um, moving on to my number eight, Bouncing by Tanache. Uh, man, I, I talked on the uh, best albums list about how 333 was just really strong showing from her, and Bouncing was the clear standout for me. It's a song I've gone back to quite a bit. The the production on this with the synth, the just like so good, and she rides on this song so well. It's like sexy and just really like futuristic sounding and so catchy so much fun um i think it, it's a song that could make anyone at the club want to twerk so uh you know she she posted a picture today on her um twitter of her in the studio with some emojis a potential present uh or present uh, emoji was on it so i'm hoping we get some more tanache soon oh, yeah. but uh I would love to hear her make more stuff that sounds like this. Yeah, I mean, now we're two albums in now of Tanache, free uh, of RCA records, independent as a musician, and it's clearly bearing creative fruit for her, and that's awesome because I've always been a fan of hers for a long time, and you've always seen the talent, seen the uh, spurts of really amazing tracks, but now we're just getting albums worth of them now. And yeah. she's really blossoming. It's awesome to see because for a while it might have been in doubt if you know she was truly going to make it through, and she clearly has now. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, what do you have up next for you? Yeah, so number seven for me is "Honey" by Halsey. Mm. You know Halsey. Uh, uh, what's what's the record called? I, I don't. I am not a woman. I'm a god. No, no, that, isn't it? I don't of love. I want power. That's the album. Oh yeah. If I can't have love, I want power. Yes. Sorry. Uh, Halsey's rock album, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross in the studio with Halsey and definitely a clear directional shift after her trendy pop leaning last album, Manic. And honestly, a really impressive showing, I think, from her. It's like an honest to goodness rock record. And Honey for me is just the catchiest of these songs. It's like a 
you know, kind of in the spirit of like an Avril Lavigne or something where it's like really up-tempo and has a really catchy chorus. And I just like it a lot. You know, I think overall the album, not as easy to revisit because by design it's not, you know, coming with like a Halsey banger. There's no without me on this album, right? Yeah. But I think this song is probably pretty close to that because you can really re-listen to that. I think the production on this is like really choice. But overall, just an acknowledgement, I think, of Halsey, even if it wasn't her best-selling record uh, in her career, creatively, it clearly uh, spawned a lot of fruit from her. Uh, and like, the, you know, lyrically, I think she was really happy to get into um, her thoughts on how the media treats women, specifically like pregnant women, pregnant artists, things like that. So there's a lot of ambition with it. Yeah, no, I agree. I the album was definitely impressive. Um, I, I do not like the uh, the picture that she has for this uh, covered in honey. Just makes me feel icky and like gross. But th- the song is definitely a, a banger. So uh, it's excellent choice. Moving on to my number seven. Give me one second. Uh, our guy James Blake ah. with Lost Angel Nights. Friends that break your heart. His album from this year had some really high highs and some really mm. some real stinkers on the album. Um, <laughs> but Lost Angel Nights and and mostly that that back half of that album have really been uh, something I've come back to a lot. Lost Angel Nights is just such a impressive vocal performance from James Blake. I think he is obviously a great vocalist, but. Lost Angel Nights lets him explore his full range. It's crafted as a song that uh, really builds up throughout. Is kind of like almost like a I don't know, like a, a four step type dance song in a way, like a classical dance song, and uh, builds up to this amazing chorus where it's layered James Blake vocals together and uh, just really, really beautiful. It's a heartbreaking song as a lot of the songs on the album are i think his his vocals really tend to give you that feeling of like sadness and and heaviness but lost angel nights just a clear standout um i would also if i I could put two songs from him on here i would have also put if i'm insecure which is the last track of the album or second to last i think with the bonus track and uh that another song where it just really shows off his range and um his vocals just always are amazing. So Lost Angel Nights, my number seven. What's next for you, Dave? So number six for me, a bit of a deep cut here. We Straight Remix, All Black, featuring Vince Staples. In Ooh. a sense, a sister pick to your Taylor Swift All Too Well 10-minute version because We Straight came out in its original form in 2018 just all back in producer Calais. Of course, in 2021, we got the remix featuring Vince on the All Black debut album, Thank You For Fucking With Me. And I just freaking love this song because it's just some Bay-ass shit. You know the Bay Area bounce when you hear it. However, All Black, I think, is really like into his storytelling on this one. And then when Vince comes in, and it's not a quick verse. He's really on this song for like half of it. When Vince comes in, he absolutely floats. I love the Vince feature. 
I love the Vince feature more than anything on the Vince album from this year. Uh, I think it's just a great, it's a great Bay Area rap track. Yeah, you know, I've actually seen many people saying that We Straight and All Too Well, the 10 minute version are like sister tracks. So that, that was a really <laughs> inspired. Everybody knows. Yeah, really inspired observation. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, this is actually, I, I think, a very inspired pick. Um, you know, and, and not even a track that came to mind for me, but definitely uh, now I'm remembering Vince's feature on that. Uh, he, he goes hard. So uh, good pick. My, moving on to my number six, I have Eve's Tumor with Jackie. Um, we, we talked a lot about Eve's Tumor on our wrap up last year as a album that we missed, um, but has some real highlights. And when he dropped the uh, the asymptotical world, I, I definitely not pronouncing that right, uh, EP, I was a bit let down by it just because I didn't feel like it reached some of the highs i guess um of heaven to a tortured mind and jackie was the clear standout to me and just in re-listening to him coming back to it throughout the year it grew on me a lot because it really like brings together i think a lot of what makes eve tumor such a exciting artist which is that he takes like metal sounding guitars and punk drums and these super distorted vocals and just makes a catchy song out of it and blends all these genres together to make probably the best rock song of the year. Like at least the most like hard rock song of the year that still is good. And uh, he feels just like an artist that I want to, I want to follow closely because he just feels super exciting all the time. So for me, there's nothing not to like about the song. And uh, I hope that people get into Eve Tumor because he's he deserves it. Um, number five for you, Dave. What's up next? Number five for me is the fifth Olivia Rodrigo single, Brutal. Mm. Not the first pick for most people, not the second or third or fourth pick. Driver's License, Good For You, The Big Hits, Deja Vu, also a pretty big hit, Traitor. On the balladry side, a big hit. But no, I'm picking track one, my guy, Brutal. In the good for you vein, where this is the uh, the Olivia pop punk that really, I think, grabbed a lot of people when you heard the full album. But I don't know. A part of this is I just don't want to pick good for you because of the obvious Paramore uh, corollary and the fact that it's just so played out at this point. But I also really like Brutal, you know. Uh, I'm so sick of 17. Where the fuck's my teenage dream? Some good quotables on this. I can't even parallel park, you know. Uh, and I just think, like, the, the drum line, the guitar, like, when it comes in, goes pretty hard. I, I, I really enjoy this song, you know. I had to recognize Olivia on one of the lists, and I wanted to go with this song just because I feel like it's perhaps a tad underrated as far as the Olivia singles go. Uh, definitely a good pick. Um yeah, that album rules. So uh, go listen to our best albums portion to hear my thoughts on that. Um, moving forward, my number five is Georgia Smith Addicted. Mm. <laughs> Georgia Smith's uh, release this year, Be Right Back. Definitely didn't live up to Lost and Found in my book, but Addicted, the first track off the album, is so smooth. Just so, so smooth. 
and you feel just absolutely lost in her voice and in the production of this just like I don't even know if worrying is the right word but it feels like it's propulsive in a sense and I just uh you know when I would come back and listen to I was just blown away every single time the way that the chorus her vocals just pull you back in and uh just sound like aching and you know give off such a sense of desire and yearning and georgia smith an artist that i I, you know i i don't feel like i'm giving up on in any sense uh after maybe a album that was a bit disappointing but she just feels like in that space of uh female r&b vocalist that feels like it's becoming a bit oversaturated she's still someone i have a lot of faith in yeah just crafts good music so yeah and i'd say in general be right back was an ep you know, yeah, she by right. design said this wasn't the follow-up album just yet. Needs more time, so Good still point. holding all the Georgia stock. Um, what's up next for you, Dave? Up next for me is "Oxytocin" by Billie Eilish. Happier than ever. Not an album I liked too much. Uh, just a little uh, mellower on the production side of things, on the vocal side of things, for what I was hoping for. Again, I understand lyrically why Billy would make this album given the time we're in, the time she is in as a person. However, Oxytocin was the rare, in this case, moment of true like Billy and Phineas brilliance because I think the production on this song is just some wild shit, man. It's awesome. I think it's so crazy. It's just so funny to juxtapose the production on this song with the majority of the rest of the record which is has more in line with like the Claro album, you know? No, absolutely. Uh, Oxytocin totally blew me away the first time I listened to it. And um, still probably the track, I probably the only track I've really played back from the album. Um, I, I also really like Therefore I Am, but that's technically a 2020 release. So didn't consider it here. Um, great, great choice. Uh, I, I just realized I didn't have any Billy on either list, which is, Kind of surprising, but next up for me is a song off the Shang-Chi soundtrack. And this is Nikki, Every Summertime. And man, it it does, I will say, so it does sample, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Mango Jerry's In the Summertime, which is in and of itself just a pure pop fun song. But every summertime is the most feel good, upbeat, just makes you want to dance song of the year. Every person that I told to listen to this track was just like, holy shit, that was amazing. And it just is fun. It's it's wonderful. And hearing Nikki just make this bubblegum pop uh, song that is so ear catchy and earwormy and feel good, just I, I needed a song uh, like this in this year and. Uh, I'm just really glad she gave it to us. It, I know it's on your list as well. Where did it fall for you? Yeah, uh, this fell number three for me every summertime. Talk about something so unexpected. You know, when we heard that 88 Rising was like, you know, executive producing, helming the Shang-Chi soundtrack. Okay, it makes sense. They obviously, you know, Asian connection, but like didn't have too high expectations on it. But that soundtrack had a few cuts on it. I like, like the Anderson Pack song, but I didn't expect like one of the best songs Nikki's ever made to be on this soundtrack 
you know, in a sense, I kind of feel for Nikki. I feel like this could have been a bigger hit for her if it was saved for one of her albums to be a single. Uh, maybe she'll re-release it. But yeah, I mean, it just has an awesome nostalgic vibe. You know, the piano, the drums, really silky, sensual vocals from Nikki. But she also kind of switches up how she performs it when you get into that chorus. Also, in the music video, you get uh, young Alan Kim from Minari bopping around in the car. Just a really uh, fun throwback track, you know, really just kind of came out of nowhere for me. Yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely a highlight of the year for me. So that was your number three. Let me uh, let me tell you what my my number three is, Dave. We've already talked about this. this. Is the only overlap I have on the two, and that's that's Adele. Mm-hmm. Easy on me. Um, it's just a an absolute undeniable great song. A uh, huge hit from this year. Um, you know, I mentioned at the at the top of of this that. Uh, I the, I found my, my top three to be very popular songs. And I think I actually gave them a lot of weight for that because I think in a year when there wasn't like a clear song that I was like, oh, that's the best song of the year. The songs that had the widest impact and still I considered to be excellent um, got the nod and easy on me in that same mold as hello or uh, I don't know, rumor has it, something like that were just a big song. This is the only song we got like that from Adele um this year and it just is amazing and it i think it also encapsulates as someone who is 30 himself i know adele is not 30 at this uh, at this point she's <laughs> a little bit older but i think it encapsulates that feeling of just like <laughs> you know life is hard and trying to figure out like how to move forward when things don't go the way you plan them having you know feeling like you had to make decisions before you could really think them out and now having to like search for forgiveness and i think especially in a year or or in a time when uh we're living through a pandemic and people are really struggling in a lot of ways easy on me just really resonates um as like people needing forgiveness and grace and understanding so just a a timely track in terms of um you know subject matter and, and lyrics but also you get adele going full full throttle full vocals uh-huh. can't ask for much more so my number three, easy on me. What's your number, uh, your number two? My number two for me this is a cut right here. Red Ooh. Fias, DJ Dahi featuring Tyler Creator, Gravity. Just an illustrious R&B track. I think this song is so fucking catchy. Brent really holding it down on the male R&B side. As, as you said, we're very saturated with uh, female contemporaries for him. And I, I think his performance on this is just so magical. The beat from Dahi is awesome. The chorus, when he gets to the chorus, when he says, don't act like I'm average, you know, oh my God, I think his performance is so awesome. You know, I've always been taking with Brent Fias ever since his feature on the Gold Link track Crew, when he's on the chorus, perhaps the biggest, most triumphant part of that song. And his album's been quite popular. And I think this song, which is just a loose track, is really something. And then then you factor in that, yeah, oh, Tyler the Creator's featured on this too, uh, rapping, you know? But honestly, my favorite part about it is really just Brent. I think he's so good on this. No, it's definitely a great track. Um, You know, I'm almost kicking myself for not having it on my list. That's a a great pick. Um, 
yeah, definitely. If, if you haven't heard this, go back and listen to it. It has almost a hundred, uh, hundred million plays on Spotify. So it is known, but yes. Um, my number two is someone that we, we've talked about quite a bit. You, you had planet her on your best albums of the year and that's Doja cat. Kiss me more. Hell yes. And, uh, I did yeah, consider this. It's just a completely undeniable song. dude. <laughs> like, uh, super sexy. Um, super catchy uh you don't even need SZA but you just kind of get SZA like dropping in for like 20 seconds and then providing some backup vocals and if anything it just is like Doja Cat proving that she is a pop queen and is going to be around forever and making music like this and I I just I, I love it it's a song that every time it comes on when it gets to that part where she's like um like I want to be fucking something, or but the, but she like screams it in the background. I'm just like, yes. fuck yeah! Like this is exactly why. Sugar, we're honey, no, uh, motherfucker, yeah. whatever it goes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> amazing, amazing stuff. So my my number two, Doja Cat, and also this this song is just like maybe most popular song of the year if you take into account like TikTok and everything. Yeah, it's top five, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, our number ones. What do you got? Number one for me. Hurricane, Kanye West, The Weeknd, wow. Lil Baby, and you and you had this album as a disappointment, but as your sure. number one song is off it. Interesting. That's correct. This is Kanye ass shit in a good way. <laughs> you know, Kanye bringing in guests to match what he's doing. Right, The Weeknd, really illustrious chorus. When you bring in that background chorus over the weekend, overdubbing, don't let me down. Just triumphant shit, man. First verse, little baby at his most lyrical, his most competent yet. Little baby really continues to impress because he continues to get better. I had written him off in 2017. Didn't think he was that special. He is a different rapper. He's a better rapper now. And I like, uh, I think the, the baby verse is great. And then Kanye comes in. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, it's this really catchy, fun verse from Ye. And I think one of the best verses on Donda, where he's very much up and down. And while again, Donda suffers from bloat, which again is a new problem for Kanye when he's in album mode, unfortunately. But Hurricane, which did get recognized at the Grammys, Hurricane, I just think is. Just a, a real moment of true, like, throwback, like Kanye, the MC, Kanye, the arranger, Kanye, the uh, curator of talent. It's kind of all the th- trademarks that we associate with the old Kanye kind of rearing up on Donda. Clearly the highlight of the album for me. Hurricane was a song that I had at my number 10. Um, and I just uh, pushed it off for some other tracks uh, I want to put on here, but it's a great, great choice. Uh, I think the clear standout, although there's a couple of songs off Donda that I really love. Um, my number one, an artist who is just taking over the world as well, Lil Nas X, Industry Baby. Dave, I, I want to I wanna actually bring in a quote that you said from our review <laughs> of Montero to That's explain good. why this is my number one. This feels like the next we will rock you or we are the champions. You talked about this song as being basically a song that is going to have an enormous impact for decades to come. 
And I, I totally agree because Did I, I really say that. You, you said something along those lines. This was like going to be like the next like queen hit. It was I remember being like, whoa, but it actually stuck with me because not only is it that catchy where it's like this, uh, you know, anthem moving type sound. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, horns, take a day trip, spasm on the beat. Exactly. But you also just have these super triumphant lyrics. It feels like this kind of thing that you're going to hear every college football game, every Mm -hmm. college basketball game for the next like 10, 15 years. It's just made to stick around. And I think it's the best track off Montero. I think it's the, the catchiest one. And Lil Nas X is, he's going to, he's, he's already a huge star and he's just going to keep growing. So wanted to give him some love here. Yeah. Shout out Jack Harlow featured on that too. I liked his performance on that more than most of the songs he had on the debut album from last December, to be honest. But I think Jack is a nice compliment to Lil Nas X and they seem to have a genuine friendship, which is nice to see. And uh, yeah, well, I didn't like Montero overall, thought it was a little underwhelming. Industry Baby is a great example of Lil Nas X doing what he does best, where he is pop rap. That, That is what he should be doing. Don't sing too much. You're not really a rapper. This this is that shit, especially with a MacLeod production, like what you have from Take a Day Trip on this. Yeah, so it's a banger. Absolutely. Dave, recap here, 10 through 1. I'll do mine, then we'll do honorable mention. Yeah, so 10 for me, Breadwinner, Casey Musgraves. 9, Look at the Sky, Porter Robinson. 8, 7 a.m. on Bridal Path, Drake. 7, Honey, Halsey. 6, We Straight Remix, All Black featuring Vince Staples. 5, Brutal, Olivia Rodrigo. 4, Oxytocin, Billy Eilish. Three, Every Summertime, Nikki. Two, Gravity, Brent Fies and DJ Dahi featuring Tyler Creator. And one, Hurricane, Kanye West featuring The Weeknd and Lil Baby. Ten, Taylor Swift, all too well. Ten minute version, Taylor's version from the vault. That's the literal title of it. Crazy. Uh, nine, Betty the Butcher, Flood the Block. Eight, Tanache Bouncing. Seven, James Blake, Lost Angel Knights. Six, Eve's Tumor, Jackie, Georgia Smith, Addicted, number five four nikki every summertime three adele easy on me two doja cat kiss me more and one little nas x industry baby all right dave what what, what just missed your list yeah so industry baby was a honorable mention for me as well uh i like to shout out i've mentioned this before i want to shout out the olivia rodrigo good for you and paramore misery business matchup on youtube and spotify etc really tremendous stuff there uh, I want to shout out Bellator from Skepta, Neil from Amine, Back in Blood by Pushaisti and Dirk, Up by Cardi, just all tremendous uh, bangers. want to shout out Fabio Foran's verse off, off the grid, off Donda, uh, AP off the boogie soundtrack from Pop Smoke, probably the last great Pop Smoke song, if we're being honest. Uh, Can I Get It, my favorite Adele track. We mentioned I had her album on my list. Uh, also want to shout out two songs in particular, Bad Man by Polo G and For the Gang by 42 Doug and Roddy Rich. Both are songs sampling classics. Polo G sampling Michael Jackson, Smooth Criminal, Doug and Roddy sampling Scorpions, uh, No One Like You. Love seeing the rap with the old school famous sample like that. And also, I have to say, 
Ed Sheeran's two-step, I enjoy a lot more than I should. I did not oh, think you were going to be wrapping that up with an Ed Sheeran. Let me not. <laughs> I also forgot uh, the two uh, the two BTS tracks this year, Butter, Butter and Permission to Dance. I like both of those quite a bit. They're really fun, really catchy, uh, you know, in that dynamite mold, not as you know, as ambitious as some stuff on Map of the Soul 7, but still for, for the holdover year, for the off album here, for BTS, pretty impressive to see what they accomplish this year. Yeah, Butter actually was on my list until the very uh, last second as well. Uh, Working for the Knife by Mitski was up there for me. Good Ones by Charlie XCX, I thought would for sure be on yeah. your list. Uh, surprised it wasn't. Well, we got um, the album coming up soon, so yeah, stay tuned. Plenty of Charlie year. next year. Uh, I had Family Ties by Baby Keem up there, um, featuring Kendrick Lamar. Making a Fire, the Mark Ronson remix of it by the Foo Fighters, uh, just really good and so much better than the original song. It's just amazing. Um, California by 88 Rising stood yes. out to me. Jackson uh, Wayne. Trullo uh, by Park Courts also was up there. The funniest song of the year, uh, Marinate by zach fox zach go fox. listen to that that's just hilarious dude so, so fucking funny. he's hilarious um charmander by amine yes uh, just missed my list and that might have been and yeah, no, oh no i had one more thoughts prayer by jpeg mafia um yep. which interpolates britney spears uh another <laughs> great yeah. music moment of the year so shout out music dude it's great huh shout out music <laughs> good stuff uh nostalgia best of 2021 on spotify uh nostalgia at nostalgia pod on twitter uh youtube.com slash nostalgia pod and soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod we'll be back with our tv and movie end of year uh podcast in the future stay tuned for that as well as our well i think we have one or two more pods for the year so we do regular pods we'll, we'll get two to more those, but we'll see you all in 2022 <laughs>